I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Twenty twenty one has been somewhat of a strange year in the world of communications. People I've spoken to recently have talked about struggling with motivation and the relentless nature of not just work, but the world at large. Personally speaking, I haven't now had a proper holiday in over two years. And listen, I, like many others, am tired. It's fair to say the Christmas break is probably coming at a very good time. But alongside the exhaustion, most in this industry seem to be very aware that their jobs and their roles are undergoing something of a metamorphosis at present. Communications has been evolving, with working processes and required knowledge and skills all transforming in the last 12 months or so. Today's podcast is the last of the year, and with 2022 firmly in our sights, we're going to take a look at what you need to do to future-proof your career in communications as that evolution continues. My guest today is one of the PR industry's most respected figures, the founder of All Things I See, Rachel Miller. As part of her business, Rachel provides mentoring or coaching for internal communications executives to help them navigate their careers. She describes this as hugely important, as some of these people are highly visible and don't want to be seen to be asking for help. She says that in internal communications, even if you're at the very start of your career, everything you're writing is seen and critiqued by other people. As you move up the ladder and you have to advise your board or your CEO, you become even more visible, leaving you exposed and vulnerable. Human nature, you need somebody to just ask for advice and say, I'm thinking of saying this. What do you reckon? Does this make sense? Have I missed anything? Because you're in that super visible role. So you need to go into it with confidence and say, this is my recommendation as the professional communicator. But you also need to check your thinking with somebody else. Rachel's a firm believer in the power of mentoring and lays some of the success of her own business at the feet of the advice she's been given by her own mentors over the years. This applies to both individuals with an organisation and also to business owners and entrepreneurs. You know, when you run your own business, you're so locked into what you're doing. You're focusing your efforts and energies on on your clients. And something that I've been really intentional over the past four years in particular is taking time to work on, not in the business. And I've done that with the help of business coaches. That's the difference that that's made for me is giving me, I have this conversation a lot with clients. It feels like a luxury to spend time to pause, reflect, analyze. Why do I do things the way I do? What does good look like? And and you're just in it. You're in the trenches. So I think that's the difference that mentoring makes for me is giving me the space to work on, not in the business and focusing on my own professional development with other people who this is what they do for a living. So it's wonderful to ask for help and I will keep on doing it. With such a long and distinguished career in communications, I was keen to find out how Rachel feels the industry has fared over the last 18 months and what position it is going to be in in 2022. Oh, gosh, we're exhausted. We're exhausted. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm, I'm yet to meet an internal communicator who isn't stressed and overwhelmed, but I'm also yet to meet an internal communicator who has accepted the status quo and given up. I spoke at the 
PR Week Strategic Internal Comms Conference last week, and in I gave a talk to open it. I, I chaired the the day, and in that talk, I was talking about the fact that you know people have said quite gleefully in the PR and comms community and press that this is the time for internal comms, mm-hmm. and. I was reflecting on the fact that we've always known the power of internal communication. If you're working as an internal communicator, we've always known the value that we add and the importance of creating a shared understanding and shared meaning inside an organization and creating effective two-way lines of communication. In a crisis or in a pandemic, it feels like finally everybody else has realized that you've got these amazing subject matter experts inside your organization who understand how to motivate and inspire and engage and connect people when you're trying to motivate, connect and inspire and engage them around this is the safety information that you need to know. Our role has become even more visible and hopefully even more valued. So it's it's a double-edged sword for me. Yes, it's been an amazing opportunity for internal communicators to really, this is what we do. We've always known this is what we do. But also we need to look after those people. Mm. Because we are have been, you know, in such a visible position and look to and the, the cadence, the rhythm of internal communication has been beyond anything I've ever known. It's been frenetic. We've had, you know, three times a day updates and then you've got the government updates and it has been relentless. So my hope for 2022 and beyond whatever the next phase of the pandemic looks like is that we create space and time for internal communicators to have a focus on their own mental health and well-being and that we look at that cadence and see whether it does need to be so frenetic yeah is there a way we can step back a bit and i I guess this leads nicely into one of the areas that you've been talking about when it comes to future proofing a career which is about being kind and empathetic really and, and just listening and understanding not not just in, in your case, to in, in to employees, but that goes beyond that as well, doesn't it? If 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 there mm. are people client facing, it's it's listening to your clients, it's listening to public, even. I mean, it's a, it's a broad skill set to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think so for me, when I'm when I think about how we need to work, it's a good combination of your mindset and your skill set. So you need to be aware of. Your, the way that you work and and the impact that you can have, you know, saying no to stakeholders, pushing back to people is hard work, frankly. So yeah. I think being aware of your mindset as a professional communicator, I believe what happens inside is reflected outside. And I talk about that a lot in the work that I do with clients and with comms friends, because if we don't invest time, money and effort in our own mental health and well-being, in our own professional development, then if what's happening inside is reflected outside, might be a bit broken, actually. Mm. And it might be in need of, of some investment and some kindness. So the mindset part of, of what we do is hugely important. But then then so is the skill set. So you acting with integrity, working ethically, working sensitively, working with compassion and with empathy. These are superpowers for any PR professional, particularly if you're working in internal communication. If you can bring through these elements into your work, that's how to future-proof your career. If you can encourage and equip your leaders and your people managers to communicate authentically and genuinely in an empathetic human relatable way then you're setting them up for success you're setting your employees up for success and it 
just makes a much happier environment for your employees to thrive. Yeah. You're talking a lot there as well about, I guess, focus, really. Is, is that is that the way you're thinking of this in terms of, I don't know, pick the areas that you perhaps are good at and focus on those? I think you need to be intentional. I think I use an intentions framework a lot in my work. I used to call it my secret source, um, but now I've rebranded it to be intentions. <laughs> <laughs> because maybe... <laughs> It coincided with me turning 40 in lockdown. So maybe that's what it was. <laughs> maybe I felt the need to grow up a bit. Um, but the intentions is what do you want people to do, say, think, feel as a result of your communication? And how do you want or need them to behave? So you're right. It is about focus. It's if I don't know the answers to those questions, what I want people to do, say, think, feel as a result of my communication, how I want or need them to behave. And I just go off merrily doing a campaign or a poster or an intranet story or whatever it might be. I haven't got a hope of measuring. I haven't Mm. got a hope of understanding whether I've set the intention and the focus in the right way. So for me, it's all about how do I work in a way that is in congruence with how an organization works with its culture, but doing so by setting out your focus and setting out your intentions. Because if not, it's just you're throwing out campaigns or posters or stories and hoping that something will stick. And that's not a way to work strategically. So the focus areas for me, when I'm thinking about how to work well, I use the phrases consistency, clarity, and certainty. Mm-hmm. And I flex those in different situations. So in a crisis comm situation, I want to be consistent in terms of the messaging that I'm using. I want to have clarity in terms of you know what channels are we using? What messages are we saying? Um, how am I providing a source of truth for employees and leaders and you know, customers, clients? And then certainty, particularly in a change situation, I map out my known knowns and my known unknowns. And I use those three areas to keep me focused and to keep a campaign on track. And then I use those three, whether it's working with someone on their, their own professional development how can we have consistency? How can you have clarity? How can you create certainty? Or whether it's on whatever it might be, communicating with frontline workers or communicating COVID, whatever it is, it helps me keep on track. Because if not, I mean, you could go down rabbit holes really, really easily, and you can get quite lost. So aligning your skill set, aligning your mindset, getting organized doesn't need to be this big thing. You find techniques that work for you. That's what works for me. That's what works for some of my clients. Um, so it's just finding what resonates for you as an individual, as a PR professional. I listened to um, a podcast recently, and it was an interview with Jimmy Carr. I don't know if you listened to The Diary of a CEO. Stephen Bartlett. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big fan of him. He's amazing. This, this particular episode, it was out two or three weeks ago, I think, was with Jimmy Carr. And he said this, it was an amazing episode of this show. I, I thoroughly recommend everyone listens to it because it was just packed full of insight, which came from someone perhaps you wouldn't expect. But anyway, he, he said this great thing that's just stuck with me ever since. And it, it leads to this thing of focus. And he, he said, well, if, if you're getting a D in physics and you're getting an A in English, then just go to English lessons. Because the school will say, well, we can get you up to a C in physics, but the last thing the world needs is a shit physicist. (laughs) I just thought it was brilliant. And it stuck with me ever since. And it just made me think about, I I don't know why it resonated so much, but just this thing of focusing on what you're really good at 
And if you can do that moving forward, whatever area of your career you're in, surely that's better than, you know, trying to cover off the bits you're not so good at. Because, I mean, you often hear the thing of, mm. you know, if, if you're in a leadership position, hire, hire people that are better than you. And okay, that's a leadership position. But do you, I mean, can can that be a, that thinking be applied to if people are working in a you know employed in a team, for example? Do you think, or is it? I don't know. Half of me thinks that's it's an easy thing to say. But if you're in, let's say you're working in an agency and you're being asked to do stuff that maybe you're not so good at, you just got to get on and do it. I don't know. What do you think on that? That's such an interesting point. There, there was. Edelman did some research a few years back, and it's called the Cloverleaf Research. And as part of that, they talked about the need for professionals to have the deepest of knowledge in the shallowest of niches. Mm-hmm. And that really resonates for me as an internal communicator, and as a PR professional, because you suddenly have to be a subject matter expert in PPE, furlough, hybrid working. I mean, these are just examples from the yeah, past yeah. 18 months where, you know, we'd never... Ha- really you know unless you have a uh, I have a railway background so PPE was you know personal protective equipment was I'm a, I was down with that I've got that I've never <laughs> heard of you know furlough and hybrid and then here I am as a, a blogger suddenly writing about them trying to collate advice and guidance to help people in, in my community figure this stuff out because we suddenly needed to have the deepest of knowledge in the shallowest of niches to advise our organizations in a really effective way so I feel like I hear what you're saying and I feel like Sometimes you don't have the luxury of choosing what you want to be really good at. If you are a team of one, then you are doing everything. You're wearing multiple hats and multiple roles. You are moving from working very tactically and very reactively, writing stories on an internet and in in one breath. And in the next breath, you're advising your CEO how to respond to something. So I feel like that's not often a luxury you can afford to have to say, I'm just going to focus on this one thing and do it really well. It it opens up the age old, you know, can of worms debate around specialists and generalists in the world of PR and and particularly for internal comms, you know, should you have a multi-skilled, multidisciplinary team or function where you can turn your hand to internal or external comms, or should you have a team of specialists where your niche is, you know, I'm fantastic at engaging frontline workers who are hard to reach, who aren't on devices, for example. The, the joy of internal comms is there are so many opportunities available to you. You can choose to be, you know, when I advise comms consultants, people who want to become comms consultants, and I help them think it through. They ask them to do, you know, Mark Schaefer style. I, I, I help statements. I help who do what for what purpose yeah. and really define that niche. What are you specialized in? What do you love doing? What motivates you? What inspires you? Because if you can nail that, then that's what you're going to be hired for. Yeah. If you're really clear in terms of this is what lights me up, this sort of work, doing this sort of thing, yeah. then that's what you're selling. That's what you're marketing. That's what you're offering as your your gift to, to the world in terms of how you can help people in that particular niche. But if you don't know what that is, it makes it quite hard because you, yeah, you are wearing multiple hats and you're not able to specialize. And, and maybe you're not as fulfilled because you haven't nailed what good looks like for you. Yeah, and I think that that is probably very true. If we if we think more long term about your career, then you you can lead it however you want it to. In theory, at least, okay. You've like you said, it's it's not as straightforward as saying, "Well, I'm no good at I don't know, hate doing timesheets, so I'm not going to do them anymore." 
although yeah. I did that in my agency. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you, you can't literally not do stuff. But I think you are able to, if you think about your career in a long-term manner, lead it in the direction that you are passionate about. And I guess, you know, from personal experience, when I set up as a consultant, that was part of my thinking as well is I want to do the stuff that I really enjoy doing and I'm good at, and I don't want to be doing all this other stuff that I'm not. And I don't, you know, That's such a thing to learn, isn't it? That I really, I really muddled. In fact, if I'm being, you know, really candid, I muddled my way through the first four years of my, my business. I, yeah. I, I established all things I see in 2013. And uh, my daughter was, I was on mat leave with my daughter and I deliberately didn't ramp up my business because I knew I wanted to add to my family. So I had my twins in 2014. And it wasn't until 2017. So from 2013 to 2017, the work I was doing was, well, the about page on my website was was unwieldy. It was, I can do this <laughs> and I can do that and I can help you with this and that. And the more that people asked me to do things, the more I thought, oh yeah, I've not thought to offer that before. And that went on the website and that went yeah, on yeah, the about yeah. page. And then in 2017, that that year for me was being really intentional in terms of personal brand. So I did lots of reading around personal brand. Who am I and what am I known for? And what's my business known for? And is that what I want to be known for? Mm. And one of the best things I have ever done in in my professional career was invest time in understanding and analyzing my my values. And I did this amazing work with Jackie Leferve who runs Magma Effect where we analyzed my values and then I had clarity for the first time ever and it enabled me to completely restructure my business to completely only do work that aligns with my values and then in retrospect when I look back I realized why I'd been miserable in other jobs mm -hmm. because they didn't align with my values and it feels like a really privileged position to be able to look at what I'm doing and say, how can I create work streams that tap into what motivates me, what inspires me, what lights me up? So clients are going to get the best out of me because I'm energized by these types of work. Then I wish I'd done that sooner. But now, four years on from doing that, I, I, it's just wonderful. I've almost had half the business without knowing what that clarity is mm. and, and half with it. And it's made the biggest difference. Yeah, I, I again, I totally agree. I, I had a very similar experience. I, I, I often think it took me probably three years. I've been going seven years. It probably took me three years to really work out what the business was. And like you mm -hmm. said, focusing on the things that actually I want to do and I'm interested in and passionate about. And, and even to this day, I mean, I, even the last last month or so, I've had a couple of new business inquiries for things that, I've thought, well, can I do that? Yeah. But am I am I actually good at that? Do I want to do it? And, and when mm. I asked myself those questions, it was no. And so I kind of turned them away, which, again, like you said, is a very privileged position to be in. But for the longevity of your business and your own sanity sometimes, I think it's a great thing to be able to do. I, I think you're right. I think good on you for doing that. I, I believe and, and you know, now I've built a, a team around me and I work with associates and, and my mindset always and the conversations that we have a lot is, you know, we have we're we're in a fortunate position where, you know, people do approach us and we don't pitch for work and things come through. Yeah. And we analyze everything in terms of, you know, what are we being asked to do? There's normally a business problem and someone says, I think that you're the solution. 
And I believe if you say no to the wrong things, it creates space for the right things to come through. Yes, and yes. Every single time I did it, it's terrifying to do that when you first start doing it. But the more that you do it, and the more confident that you you feel in terms of, I'm not the right fit for this, or we're not the right fit for this particular type of work. And sometimes there are things that don't align with me ethically. And that's one of my values is working ethically. If there's things that just don't sit right with me, then I won't do them. And regardless of what money is being put on the table, there are that's more important to me is the integrity and ethics of what I'm doing and how I work because it's one of my core values. I understand now why that you know jars with me so much. But if I say no to that, it creates the space for the right things to come through. And that sounds a bit woo, but it, it's it, not. It honestly, <laughs> it does. I I hundred percent have seen that for myself, and mm. it. You know, again, one of these that I turned down a couple of, I don't know, maybe it was a couple of months ago, almost within a week, I was approached about something else, which was, to my mind, actually very meaningful. It was a charity client, very meaningful work. And I'm like, if if I had taken the other thing, firstly, I'd have been a bit half-hearted with it. And secondly, I wouldn't have had room for this thing that Actually, I feel something for. So, I, it do, I, yeah, it does sound a bit woo and a bit hippie, but <laughs> I think there's something in it. I, I, you can't explain it, but I think there's something in it. <laughs> I think I think it's also worth saying that you know when you start out, if you're if someone's business and you're a brand new comms consultant, you know when I started the business, I had ninety days, I had a ninety day mortgage holiday, and I had ninety days to get some money in, and. When you first start your business, you are going to say yes to things until you find your feet, until you find your confidence and until you, I mean, it's kind of feast or or famine in the world of consultancy for for many people, but it feels like when you start out, you know, if you're listening to this and you're just starting out thinking, well, (laughs) I, I can't afford to turn stuff down because who knows when the next thing will come through. I hear you. You're absolutely absolutely right. And and the the longer that you are in business and the, the more, the more established that you become and, and the, the clearer it is, again, it's the consistency, clarity and certainty of your offering and people mm. coming to you and knowing what to hire you for and, and how to work with you, then that, that happens. But you just need to hang tight and have confidence and faith in yourself and in your own skills and just continually investing in your own professional development, continuing to ask for help, continuing to work with mentors is a really good thing to do, I think, while you... Almost, almost while you're waiting for the good stuff to happen, you can make it happen by investing in time, money and effort in yourself. Podcast analysis has always been a major problem for marketers with outreach efforts reliant on dubious download numbers and a lot of guesswork. Until now. Podchaser Pro is a new service that solves the problem for podcasters and marketers alike. I caught up with co-founder Cole Raven. We've built this new product around audience sizes so that as like a PR agency or a marketing agency, you can use this tool to really understand how many listeners every podcast gets. And then we provide contact information on top of that. We understand how many people are listening to a podcast, how far they get into each episode, in some cases, demographic data. You can't find that anywhere else. Check it out at podchaserpro.com forward slash digital download. Something that Rachel wrote recently about personal branding has stuck with me. When talking about building a personal brand to drive reputation, she described this process as building a brand for yourself, but renting it to the organisation you work for. 
Her advice is very much to start building your brand now because you never know what might happen in the future and how important this might be. I really believe that. And I think I didn't know that there was a word for it when I experienced it myself. So I'd been writing my my blog since 2009. And when I was being interviewed for an in-house corporate role, I had an interview with the lady who later became my boss and and the HR uh, representative in the room. And we were having a conversation where I said, I write a blog about internal communication. And this was for a global pharmaceutical company. So this was the conversation we were having was, I'm really interested in this job and, and I really enjoyed the interview. And I said, I write a blog and I would like to continue doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, would that be a problem? And they said, oh, we've, we've never had this conversation before. <laughs> would that be a deal breaker? And I said, yeah, it, 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 it would. And in writing my blog, it's never been about, you know, particularly now, I could never write about the work I'm able to do because it's all under non-disclosure <laughs> agreements. But the conversation was, well, and they did, they, did offer, they did offer me the job and they said, you can continue writing your blog. Thank you very much. I'm planning to anyway. Um, <laughs> as long as you don't say who you work for. So we came to an agreement where on my LinkedIn profile for the whole time, and I can tell you now it's Novartis because it's now on my LinkedIn profile. The whole time I worked at Novartis, it said a global pharmaceutical company was where I was working. Right. And I just started to talk at conferences. And I tell you, for my own personal brand, which I define as your reputation and your promise, who you are, it's what you're known about, uh, what you're known for. And in Jeff Bezos's words, it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Yeah. I started to speak at conferences as just me, just me as Rachel Miller, not me as Rachel Miller from Novartis or me as Rachel Miller from any other company. And therefore, I became known for my passion for internal comms and the work Mm. that I was doing and what I was advising, but not linked to a company. And what I see now is when I see people speaking at conferences, you own your personal brand, your reputation and promise, who you are, what you're known for, what you stand for is yours. And you rent it to the organization you work for. So whoever you're working for, if you're standing up on a stage at a conference and you're there talking as, you know, Joe Bloggs from XYZ Company, XYZ Company are benefiting from your reputation and your promise when you're standing up there being your credible self on stage, then actually they don't own that. You're renting your personal brand to that company. And when you move on, you take that with you. I don't think... We don't often talk about that. We kind of look at people and go, oh, they're from you know, Google or they're from the BBC or whatever the company might be. But what about the amazing professional? What about them? What is it about them that's making what they're saying interesting? It's probably their reputation and promise and how they see the world. Just out of interest, you were saying about Novartis there. What, what did they think about you going and speaking at a conference but not being Rachel Miller from Novartis, just being Rachel Miller? I think I was thoroughly confused by it, to be honest with you. <laughs> so it's so funny because in my mind, I knew I wanted to be a comms consultant. So I joined Novartis in my mind as I'm going to try stuff out. So I did lunch and learn sessions where I, I started tweeting the year before. So I was doing lunch and learn sessions for the comms teams. These are precursors to what I now call masterclasses, where I would get people together and just say, I've started doing this and this is what I've learned so far and just working out loud. And I used to send weekly emails to the whole internal comms team. I was not the most senior person in that team at all, but I used to send an email on a Friday to the whole wider corporate comms team, internal, external, public affairs. Here's the industry things I've spotted this week. This is what I found interesting. If you don't want to receive this email, 
tell me and I'll take you off. And no one ever did. And I just found a way, I found my stride actually, because it was me as me, not me as me from the company. I was just experimenting and trying things out. And when I'm advising people now who want to move into the comms consultancy, they're working in-house. Oh, my goodness, that's your safe space. Try stuff out, experiment, Mm. try models, have conversations with stakeholders where you're applying theory and your own recommendations in the way you would if you were a consultant. So I think I was a bit of a bit of a conundrum perhaps to the people around (laughs) me, but they're all good friends and we're still good friends today. But, you know, I don't think... I got told you're not like anybody else we've had, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that as well. <laughs> I was never sure whether it was a good thing. <laughs> In hindsight, I realised it was a good thing. At the time, I was like, I remember saying to my husband, I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the other things, well, linked to personal branding, really, you talk about, and you've, you've mentioned it already, is cadence. Showing up, being being consistent. How important, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, how important do you think it is to keep showing up? And whether that is, I don't know, if you're doing a podcast, so you've got a podcast every week or two, whether you're blogging, whether you're focusing on LinkedIn and you've, you commit to posting three or four times a week, how important do you think that cadence is? That's the most important thing. That that consistency is critical because if who you are and what you're known for is that you're going to be blogging once a week, then that's what, how you've set your stall out. And if you don't show up, then you you've you've kind of I feel like I'm in mum mode. You let yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, but the key bit for me is making the right decision for you. So you might commit to blogging once a month fine do that that's absolutely mm. fine it's it's your life it's your choice it's your rules but whatever you set your stall out in terms of this is who I am and what I want to be known for I'm doing the weekly podcast on x do the weekly podcast on x don't mm. not show up I think you know I've, I've I've written my blog for nearly 13 years and I always say it's my blog my rules and my blog was there you know before I got married before I have my children and it's always been my blog, my rules. Sometimes when I blog twice yesterday, sometimes (laughs) sometimes this is the joy of of having your own outlet for content. If you're doing something that feels right and you're motivated and inspired by it, you're going to keep on doing whatever it is, whether it's podcasting or writing or LinkedIn, whatever whatever it will be. But if you do so in a way that has flexibility for you in terms of at the very least, I want to do one a week. If I do more, great, but don't do less. So experiment until you find whatever that cadence is for you, whatever rhythm fits within your lifestyle and your working style, and don't beat yourself up. If you do something, I did a podcast back in 2013, 2014 under the FIR podcast network, which is run by Cheryl Holtz and Neville Hobson, and mm. and I loved it. And then I was about to have my twins, and I thought, I don't think I can keep this up. My household is never going to be quiet again and it wasn't and it took me until January 2021 where I relaunched my podcast and I called it Candid Comms you know that's 2014 to 2021 that's a huge gap Mm -hmm. but I didn't beat myself up over it it was it was it wasn't the right thing to do and it wasn't the right time for me and then I did feel like the time was right and I thought I can commit to this and I can do you know my boys are now at school and I can 
well, I say this, Paul, we only had lockdown and I'm trying to record in my house while homeschooling three children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, wasn't, it wasn't the quietest. You and I were just saying before we came on to record how uh, I've yeah. been recording episodes <laughs> in my car because it was the only quiet place in lockdown. Yeah. But it's finding what works for you and experimenting. And if you're not sure that something's not working, then draw a line under it. Move on. Do something else. Life's too short to be unhappy and to create content that you're not in. Because if your heart's not in it and your head's not in it, your audience will know that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you could give people, this is a difficult question, if you could give people one piece of advice for advancing and helping their careers in 2022, what would that be? Keep on learning. Keep on investing in your professional development because the fundamental principles of PR and communication don't change. But as we get new tools, as we get new technology, there's new things, as comms bling, as I call it, things that turn your head, the shiny stuff. Keep, keep being curious. Keep on learning because the more that you invest in your professional development, the more I do, the more that I learn, the more that I'm open to questions and trying stuff out, the more value I can bring my clients and comms friends in terms of things that I've learned and maybe help to upskill them. So have a always have a curious mind in terms of why are things happening. This is a great behavior for internal communicators to have. It's on the Institute of Internal Comms profession map. They encourage you to be curious. So be curious about your own professional development and make sure that you're investing time, money and effort in, in yourself. Many thanks to Rachel for making the time to record such an enjoyable final show of the year. Please look her up on Twitter or LinkedIn. A massive thank you also to all of my guests this year who've helped make this podcast as insightful and interesting as it's been. And finally, thank you to you for tuning in, whether you've listened to one or all of the 21 shows I've published during 2021. I appreciate every single message or email or social media comment I receive. And as long as you keep listening, I'll keep making the shows. Have a wonderful and safe festive season, and I'll be back with new shows and new guests in the new year. You can subscribe to Digital Download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.